whistle blows and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars. Here we go, Vegas Hockey LNA, 1400 KSHP, Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. The summertime. There's tons to talk about. Yeah. There's still a lot to talk about. And these guys are going to be back in the blink of an eye. Well, that's the thing. This season, uh, you know, is so short. Um, You know, we, we had the expansion draft. We have the regular draft. We got, you know, all these free agent signings. Um... Guys are being moved around the league. And there's still some yeah. big fish out there. There are. And there's some big deals possibly still to come. All right. We'll have a lot of Golden Knights chatter for you. And we will be gladly taking your phone calls in a little bit. But right now we want to head north of the border. He's one of our good friends. He's been a friend of the program. You know what's terrifying, Stevie? I swear to you. I, I still can't wrap my head around the fact it's almost five years now we're doing this. Yeah. You know, it's... It's insanity. Goes fast. And Reed Wilkins from 630 CHED in Edmonton's been part of the fun with us from day one. Every blue moon, get to hop on with Reed up there, and it's always good fun. And honestly, I think in this Pacific Division, come on, you know, Vegas, how they're set up right now, are they better? They're different, but they're still very, very good. I would look at the Pacific Division and say Edmonton would be the one you'd watch that would give Vegas a push here. I mean, every night you're rolling McDavid and Dreisaitl out. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And they did some work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the battle at the top is going to be between Edmonton and Vegas. All right, let's get to Edmonton without further ado. Our good friend, Reed Wilkins. How you doing, Reed? How's the summer treating you, pal? Summer's been great. It's awesome to be on with you guys. It has been a, uh, a relatively hot summer here and unfortunately uh, a smoking uh, smoky summer because of forest fires fires well into bc parts of alberta we've had a lot of kind of smoky hazy days here which isn't great but we did have uh, late june early july some temperatures in edmonton that hit 37 38 degrees celsius so we kind of had Vegas weather. I know that's like a cool day for you guys <laughs> but we had like high 30s celsius for about a, uh, a five or six days straight. It's here all relative, it was, man. Uh, not used to it, man. But how about, you know, we've been doing this a lot of years, and we always clamor for days like we just got, every trade deadline day, and usually it kind of peters out. It's not much of nothing. That free agent day, that was the wildest day I can remember. What was it like for you, Reed? free agent yeah, day? Yeah, it was. It was a wild day. It was it was an exciting day, and it was a day with a lot of anticipation because I, I think there's uh, – well, I don't think. I know there's a lot of pressure on Oilers general manager Ken Holland to make some significant moves this summer and to bulk up some areas of the team that have been weaknesses really for several years and that uh, I think he and some other general managers either you know took swings at bulking up and failed or have said – well, I know I got to bulk that up, but I don't have the the money to do it, or I can't get the player that I want to really come here. And I think for the Oilers, it really started uh, even a couple of days before the draft with the departure of Adam Larson to the Seattle Kraken, which 
kind of was a surprise if you look at the whole history of what had happened over about the last six months. I mean, we were hearing about Larson maybe signing an extension with the Oilers going back to March and April, and then it didn't get done. And then it was like, okay, we'll do it after the season. And it seemed like it was going to happen. And then, uh, and then he's gone. So he was the guy that got claimed. And then, yeah, free agency day, you know, the Zach Hyman thing we knew was happening because the Oilers almost traded for his rights even before he was a free agent so they could sign him for the extra year. And that's a key one because, you know, the last few years here in Edmonton, and you and I have talked about this, Brian, I mean, the Oilers have had the, the big three, certainly McDavid and Dreisaitl, and, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins still gets included in that, even though maybe five on five he had a bit of a down year this past year. But, you know, it was often those three guys in some combination on the top two lines, and then who else? You know, plug in random guy who doesn't score a lot trying to do something with these guys. Well, this past season, Jesse Pugliarvi had a pretty good year, mostly playing with Connor McDavid. And now Zach Hyman is a legitimate top six forward who has already proven that he can play with high-end players. I mean, he was often with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner when he was with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he can take the puck to the net. He can finish. He can set up. He can forecheck. He can kill penalties. Last minute of a game, if it's a one-goal game, he's probably going to be out there whether you're behind or whether you're ahead. So that was a big addition to kind of round out the Oilers' top six. I mean, I think now you say they have five legitimate top six players, and then we'll see what happens on the other wing to fill it out. But, yeah, they, they, the Oilers made a pretty significant trade, at least in this market, trading uh, Ethan Bear to Carolina for Warren Fogle. And that addresses another need the Oilers have had for a while. Somebody on the third line, somebody who can take the puck to the net, somebody who can draw a few penalties. Fogle got to uh, got to double-digit uh, goals this past year in the, in the shortened season with Carolina. So that's a good move. Now, the Oilers, they gave up something to get there, guys. I mean, Ethan Bear's story is, is a significant one in, in this part of the world. He's from the neighboring province of Saskatchewan. He's of Indigenous heritage. He's a great role model in that community. He's done a lot of work in that community. You may remember last year um, going into the bubble here in Edmonton when the Oilers had an exhibition game against Calgary. He wore a name bar that said Bear in the Cree language, which was a huge selling jersey with, with all demographics. And, you know, Ethan had a couple tough moments in the playoffs. It happens to hockey players. Unfortunately, some nitwits and a very small minority of nitwits, but they are nitwits on social media, you know, said some very appropriate, inappropriate things to Ethan Bear, and he stood up. You know, he stood up to the bullies, and um, he won over a lot of fans that way. So that, that was a significant move, and Bear is still a relatively young defenseman. He was drafted in 2015. Probably the best is still to come, but I think that was a situation in which the Oilers thought, well, if we want to get something we need, we got to give up something. And then you couple that with Tyson Berry returning, who was the leading scorer among defensemen in the NHL last season. A young Evan Bouchard is pushing for a spot on the blue line. I don't want to say it made Ethan Bear expendable because he's not, you know, he's too talented to be considered an expendable player but it might have made him a little bit redundant uh, that they decided to make that move. You know, Mike Smith comes back in net. Give, like, here's the thing, guys. I, I get to talk about Mike Smith and his age and can he do it again, can he do it again. But until he doesn't do it again, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we got to give him credit. Like, if he were 31 
we wouldn't be sitting here saying like, ah, he can't repeat it. We'd be saying, well, how many more years can he go? So, you know, Smith, if you look at the metrics and if you look at the Vesna trophy voting, he was the seventh best goalie in the NHL last season. Now, Connor Hellbuck had a 950 save percentage in the playoffs and, and the Oilers got swept. Okay. Uh, it happens. So, you know, Smith came back, you know, Barry coming back is big. Uh, and then Cody Cece on the blue line. I don't know if he's an actual fill in for Adam Larson. He's a bit more of a wild card in this situation to me. And of course, about a month ago, the Oilers got Duncan Keith. So yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been busy. There's a lot to talk about. I think the forward core is deeper. I think it's more skilled. I think it's better goaltending again until smith drops off we got to give him credit for what he's done the defense is different i'm not sure it's better but but it's different it's funny Um, it's funny that that's what we're saying about vegas they're different but we're we're waiting to see if it's better you know in time we'll we'll tell that I, i gotta ask you though reed tell me about mcdavid and your read on him and the whole situation he likely will win. This may sound nuts, but he, I mean, this guy could win five more Hart trophies. I don't know. But at some point, right, the legacies are built in the playoffs. And he's not stopping pucks. And if the defensemen are struggling, you know, yeah, it's a team. But he's the guy. And you know, he's the man in the league. And legacies are built in the playoffs. What's his mindset? What's, what's your mindset? What's the mindset of. Oilers fan base about that? Well, I think that's a great point. Uh, and I mean, you're right. What is everybody? Well, I'll, I'll date both of us here, Brian. Some of your listeners, this name might not mean as much. What do people say about Marcel Dion? Yep. Tons of regular season points. Never won a cup. Was it his fault? No, probably not. But, you know, he gets labeled with that. You know, I, McDavid's mindset is it, it's simple. He wants to win, he's, he's driven to win. I think he, like everybody else, recognizes the shortcomings of the team, though he, you know, and Dreisaitl and Nurse, the leaders of the team, take a lot on themselves. Like, I don't think they're going home after the season ended saying, well, it's not our fault. But, you know, they're about winning cups, and I think they know that. And that's the interesting thing about some of these moves is they were as much made for the postseason as they were for the regular season. And I mean, I heard what you guys were saying before I came on. I agree with you. It should be Vegas and Edmonton competing for the top two spots in in the Pacific Division. You know, maybe Calgary could be a bit of a wild card if Markstrom has a huge year in net, but it should be Edmonton and Vegas. At the end of the day, does it matter who finishes first and who finishes second in the division? Not really. You're going to be remembered by, by how it goes in the playoffs. I'll tell you this, like, Every and you know, I Rob Brown, the former great Pittsburgh Penguin, we're on air after every game, and we get it. You know, after game three, the Oilers blew that lead to the Jets. After game four, well, McDavid's going to want out. McDavid's going to want out, guys. That is the biggest pile of bunk I've ever heard. If you look at Connor McDavid, the human being, and if you look at Connor McDavid, the hockey player, he has never quit, he has never complained. And he's not going to want out of a situation. Like, he went and played for Erie in the Ontario Hockey League, which was no hockey destination before he got drafted there. You know, he's not and, – and I understand why Oilers fans get nervous. They, they've been beat up for the last 15 years, a lot of expectations unrealized, a lot of really, really lousy teams, though not the last couple of years. 
and I, I get the hand wringing. Well, if we don't win this year, he's going to want to leave. Free agency, hey, anything's on the table. Trade request, no way. Like, he's here. He's invested in the Oilers. He and Leon and Darnell and these guys, they want to do it together. You know, I think that was a bit of a blow to the leadership core with Larson leaving, but, you know, he was a free agent and made his decision. So, you know, I, but you're right. It, it has to happen in the playoffs now. I, I mean, hey, any team can get bounced in the first round sometimes. It happened to the Penguins in the midst of them winning, you know, three Stanley Cups over the, the course of the uh, decade that they did. It, it happens, but it's it's time for the Oilers to make hay in the playoffs. And, and again, I think that's that's why, I mean, Duncan Keith ultimately as an Oiler isn't going to be remembered how he plays on November 1st against the Seattle Kraken. Mm-hmm. He's going to be remembered if he makes a huge impact in a couple of playoff runs. Well, you're, you're good, it sounds like, then, Reed, with, with the uh, work that Ken Holland's done uh, on the blue line this year. I, I, I was hoping for him to maybe do a little bit more. You know, Duncan, Duncan Keith is at toward the end of his career. Um, Tyson Berry scores, but maybe could be a little bit better, you know, in his own end. Um, I, I just felt like you, you guys have all this offense, it feels like, in Edmonton. You need to be a little bit you know, more stingy you know, in the back end. And, and Holland, didn't, in my mind, didn't do enough there. Uh, but but you, it sounds like you feel differently. No, I don't, actually. I should clarify. That, that would be my criticism. And like I said, the defense is different, but I'm not sure it's better. You know, and I think Tyson Berry is a hell of a weapon to have on this team. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm glad he's back. Um, You know, at the end of the season, it was kind of speculated. Well, he's going to shop around and try to get six or seven million dollars. They didn't have to pay him that to come back. He's going to be up there in defense scoring again. So I think in his specific, if, if if you can get a right shot offensive defenseman in the role he has to play on the team, He's the perfect guy for that role. Yes, in the grind of the playoffs, he did not stand up to it as well as you would like. And that continues to be a question mark. And, and again, that's the thing about CeCe. You know, okay, a lot of people said, well, he's a hybrid. And I'm thinking, okay, cool, but do the Oilers need a hybrid in that position? They, they lost Adam Larson. So you'd like to replace the shutdown guy with a shutdown guy, not a hybrid. So he, he's a question mark. And Duncan Keith, guys, look. He could have retired five years ago, and he would have waltzed into the Hall of Fame. Like, I don't think I'm exaggerating. But I think the thing that we got to remember is the Oilers did not get the 2011 or the 2015 Duncan Keith. Everybody who saw him last couple of years in Chicago has said his game has dropped off. Now, uh, 80% of Duncan Keith in his prime is still better than, <laughs> than a lot of guys, but I think there's, it's fair to raise the concern, you know, how much is the drop-off it is, is his skating there uh, to com- to defend against some of the top guys in the league, you know, when McKinnon comes to town and, and players like that. I do think, I, I, I will give Holland credit for the, this angle of the Keith thing. The leaders on the team wanted experience. They wanted a guy like Keith. I, I think Mike Smith has had uh, impact on the swagger in that dressing room. I think Duncan Keith will as well. And one knock on the Oilers going back years and years and years, guys, too easy to play against. Who's the nasty guy? Who's going to be a, a kind of dirty SOB when you need it in a scrum mm-hmm. or in a tense moment in the playoffs? That's something Keith is um, is going to add. And hey. also, he will he will not be the big dog on the left side. That's well, Darnell Nurse, so his minutes will come down. Let me jump in. Do one more with you. you got your own 
private battle of Alberta going on. You're doing Calgary radio at the bottom of the hour. So <laughs> I ask you one more quick question. How about how about in the pipeline? What's the prospect pool looking like? Anybody for the Oilers you think steps up and makes uh, some noise? I would keep an eye on a couple of names this year, guys. Dylan Holloway, the 2020 first-round draft pick, 14th overall, who was uh, on that excellent Wisconsin team coached by Tony Granato this past season. I, I would think he will start the season in the minors, but he could be someone who comes up and uh, gets to play some in kind of a scoring role on one of the wings. Uh, on defense, keep an eye on Philip Broberg, another first-round draft pick from Sweden who's probably going to be in the minors and start making a push. And the goaltender situation is an interesting one. I don't think anybody's going to be there this year, obviously. But uh, keep the name Stuart Skinner. Olivier Rodrigue and Ilya Konovalov in mind. Konovalov's the real mystery here. He's only played in the KHL. His stats the last couple of years has been outstanding. I'm sure as you guys know, KHL goaltending stats sometimes can be a little inflated, but he's a little bit older, and he's another goalie in the pipeline. Outstanding. Our Bud Reed Wilkins. So how does that work out? Edmonton Radio, Calgary Radio. I mean, you got the elbows up when you answer the phone? No, well, Pat, I'm doing it with a guy named Pat Steinberg. We're we're pretty good fan, friends, so we keep it pretty. Uh, it's pretty jovial. I, I wish I wish I could give you some nasty stories, but we keep it pretty pretty jovial most of the time. Reed Wilkins, six thirty CHED in Edmonton. Reed, it's always a, a treat. Thank you for uh, taking time to join us today, Bud. Have a good day. Yeah, I love talking to you guys. See ya. All right, Reed Wilkins. He's got the Oilers down, man. I mean, that's there's your scouting report. I've heard of that Karavalov kid. We'll see if he uh, if he comes up because you're right. I mean, he's right. Rather, the, the the KHL stats for goaltenders can be inflated. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if he works into something. I I just I I really think Holland, you know, needs to address that back end, and, and I, I feel like they they have enough scoring even without Hyman, and now with Hyman, you know, they're, they're going to score. It, it's can they stop anybody? I should ask about that. Do you think they overspent for Hyman? I, I was surprised. I was surprised that they again. You know, I I I think you need to shore up the blue line, and instead you go get another f- scoring forward. I, I was surprised by that, but uh, apparently he he likes Hyman, and I and I have nothing against Hyman. I, Hyman's a, a very good uh, scoring forward. I I just I don't think that's what Edmonton needed to focus on. I'm trying to decide. Is it eerily quiet because it's cottage country? Or is there a bubbling cauldron out there on some stuff? This this Eichel thing is, I don't see a resolution for this. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking more, what else is going to be out there? I think... I think that thing's on the burner now. I mean, watch it happen like out of nowhere. Yeah. But there's just so many gray areas. And and the point is, somebody brought up a good point. That I, you know, I get their reticence for doing this disc replacement surgery. But the point is, if Buffalo truly has no interest, I mean, it's irreparable. They have no interest in him being there. Mm-hmm. Then what do they care? Why not do the disc replacement thing? And then the deal's done. 
he's playing hockey again, and if it doesn't work in a year, I mean, you don't want to say that. I mean, you you, you hope any player's healthy. I, I'm I don't know I don't know what the, the solution is if you're if you were the Sabers, their doctors you know aren't on board with this thing. This is what he wants. There are doctors say it's the thing to do. But I guess if he really is, he's not your problem. If that's if that's the mo here, it's not going to be your problem. Don't you let him do that surgery, and then whatever happens down the road happens down the road. But he's going to be playing in the short term, and if you get the proper return on the investment, I guess, unless they're really terrified that this surgery goes so awry that that's he's not I'm, going to play again. That's, that was my thought. If, if their doctors are telling them, look, you don't want to do this because if he comes out of this bad, then you're not going to get anything for him. Then, you, you're, then, then he's not tradable. And and we we don't sign off on on this surgery, so uh, you know if I'm the if I'm the Buffalo GM, I'm thinking, well, my doctors tell me that's not the thing to do. I don't want to do that because I want to get the most back from him that I can. And if he comes out of the surgery, uh, you know, worse for for having have it done, then then I'm not going to get you know what what I want to get for him. That that's my thought. That that's you know for for. Uh, for Buffalo saying no, we still don't want you having that done. I still say Anaheim, Calgary, Minnesota. Now they've got the prospect pool. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on with this Zabanajad thing in New York, but I think Anaheim, Calgary, Minnesota. And obviously our intent is always up with Vegas. But I think those three teams are capable of doing something. Something not nutty, but substantial. I agree. So senior moment, did did they get Kaprizov done? Did Minnesota no. get that? They haven't so so they haven't done uh, do, well, do I'll they, double check as do far they, as I don't know. I, I I didn't think so. So do they need to get that done first and then they look at Eichel or can they be negotiating both deals at the same time. How how does that work? If you don't, if you're not able to get a deal done with Kaprizov, then do you need Eichel even more? Well, I would think, albeit he's playing the KHL card. I think you've got a, a number. Uh, you know, Garen would have a ballpark number. Mm-hmm. But what do you do with this guy? I mean. You know, the thing with him, I'm not mistaken, he's 24, right? Yeah, he's 24. I mean, he's not your typical prospect. I mean, he's right. he's there. He's he's it. He's it now. Right. And he wants to get paid now. You've got a number in mind. He could sit there and say, I want $9 million bucks." Well, good. Landis Scott got seven. You know, yeah. so there, there's got to be a semi-meeting of the minds that say Minnesota says, I mean, do, do you go with him? He's 24. Do you... Do you do like a four-year deal and only burn a year of free agency, or is he going to want to do the three-year deal he want, that's and he'll want I'm to hearing. hit the open market? Isn't that what Pat said? That he that I would it's envi- more about term than it is about dollars. Sure, it's about when does he get the free agency. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, a three-year deal. I mean, if you're Garen, say you're plugging $21 million. 
Okay, I mean, you, you can't go much higher than that. That's what I would think. And maybe you're, you're hoping you can knock it down a little lower. But you've got to give yourself an internal number. Plus, they got the two dead contracts coming. Right. So that, that's going to be an issue. Now, I, if, again, if I'm Garen, I, I would think, you know, I, I would do three years at, at $7 million a year for him. Yeah, but will Kaprizov. I, or, I think so because he's, he wants the three-year deal. He doesn't even want a four-year deal. He wants the three-year deal, and I and I get why. I, I think I would do that. And and and, not only is the player betting on himself, Garrett's betting on the player. And I I I feel like from what I've seen at Kaprizov, that's a good player to bet on. But if I'm Minnesota, right? If he's 24. I mean, if you can rope him into the two-year deal, so the third year. You keep your RFA rights that he's yours, but there's nothing holding you back from signing the monster deal then and make it a bigger sample size. This is a one year. Is he a one-hit wonder? I don't think so. I don't th- yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't know. I, 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 if I'm Minnesota, again, from what I've seen, don't, don't mess this up. Right, sign sign the guy for three years for if that's what he wants, and I, I think he, from what I've read and what Pat has told me and so forth, I think he would do uh, three years at seven million a year, and then, you know, you know, so so he gets the, the, that oh, deal in three years. I'm I'm, I'm not going to sweat that now. By the way, Fiala is going to arbitration. Okay. Now. I mean, that's a guy that was kind of pegged as being a focal point in any big deal. Right. Right. And I, I think I think the arbiters more likely to side with him is my feeling. Well, off the year that he had, um, so you you pay him a little more if you, if if you're gonna if you're gonna deal him anyway. I don't I don't think that's a sticking point. I think who you know whoever's looking looking well, at him to their team. Well, is but gonna... see the thing that could happen if if I'm reading it if, if I'm right about this would be before his arbitration date. You do a sign and trade with somebody, so Fiala is doing the arbitration thing and still, you know, floating around the ozone layer. But you can still swing and do something big and make it a sign and trade. Yeah. And he gets the money he wants. Yeah, you could do that. 50 games, 20 goals, 20 assists, minus two. I mean, he's a good player. He is. He's a real good player. Yeah, had a good year. Um, yeah, you could do the sign and trade with him. So, uh, McCrimmon said he, he we're, we're, that, that they're done. Do you, do you think they're really done? Uh, uh, again, as, as you said, they're, they're Probably, there's probably still some conversation with Buffalo going on. Is there is there anything else you think they might be looking at? Oh, you're always looking. Mm-hmm. I'd be inclined to say, and maybe it's a mistake because they will swing for something big, but I would say if it's not Eichel, they're done. Okay. But... And technically, as of the day he said what he said, that very well could be the case. But then the phone rings. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, 
whatever had been discussed. See, I mean, the thing specifically on the Eichel thing, Rangers, Wild, Anaheim, L.A., they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. Vegas supposedly has always been hovering around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the phone call comes and whatever, yeah, we were out, but then they called and their price came down. Well, then it started a whole new discussion. I I, I get so that. So I say I say yes they I do. I say yes they're done unless it's the grenade. Okay. Are, are you good with the the bottom six? Like I I would have liked them to and, and I like the added data enough. That that looks good. We'll see how we see how he plays here and how he fits in with the in that in that third line mix. I I just man yeah. I, I wanted a little extra scoring. <clears throat> Another guy, maybe a guy on the fourth line who can add you a few more goals than they're going to get with the mix they have right now on that fourth line. Well, the tuck injury certainly muddies the water here. That okay, that's true. Um, do, now, but I, but the thing is, that'll be really interesting for Dadnoff. I mean, like you say, an opportunity that's presented for Dadnoff to really hit his stride big coming out of the gate here with the opportunity that will be presented. Yep. He'll, he'll again, with with the injury to Tuck, he's going to get even more ice time. I, th- I think he's he was going to get plenty of ice time anyway. Uh, I'm going to be real interested as to how w- he played uh, well on the power play in Florida. I want to see if, if he can bring that here. You know, a, a guy in the slot, a guy in front of the net, whatever. And then uh, we'll also be interested as to who coaches the power play and, and what kind of changes they try to make um, to that power play. To me, it needs more movement of, of, of players, not of the puck. Um, they, they need to move players um, to, to make the defense move against them uh, to create open areas. Vegas High Gellin, AM 1400 KSHP. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshit. You want to give us a ring? 702-221-SAVE. 221-783. Bill's on the line. Hi, Bill. Hey, guys. Uh, you know, you might have talked about this last week, but I missed the show. Um, I'm to me, it doesn't seem like Buffalo got enough for Reinhard. Why? I mean, unless I don't know something about the goalie um, that they obtained in that, I think uh, they got Florida's first round pick, but it's a protected. They can't. It's protected to the top ten. Why couldn't Vegas go in and trade a first and a second? Like, and is it is it the money? Is he going to want too much? I believe, yes, he would be probably getting something at least, I would say at least seven. Um, the market bill actually was skewed very much towards the quality of the return was much higher for defensemen for whatever reason on the free agent day. And then the other thing is Vegas may have had absolutely no interest in Reinhardt. Say, nah, we don't like him. Uh, the money was too much. I mean, I think Dadnoff gives them a high slot presence on the power play. That's, but Reinhardt goes to the front of the net on the power play, and they're you know they're they're just different guys the way they play the game. What Vegas's level was on any way, shape, or form for Reinhardt, I couldn't tell you in terms of the return Buffalo got. They got more for Ristolainen. Than they got for Reinhardt, but that was just a function of the defensemen who were giving a bigger return. And then the goalie prospect is just that. But 
time will be the judge. I mean, Florida's stuck with Bobrovsky's contract, and they got the hottest prospect in Spencer Knight. This kid Levy was a guy who played extremely well in the World Juniors, got them to the championship game. They ended up winning a silver. But he does seem to be like a maybe a late-blooming prospect. But as is the case with goalies, we won't know for three years. But, I mean, it's an interesting question. Stevie, I don't know. What do you what do you think with Bill's posing here? Yeah, I, I'm I'm a guy that I, I would have liked to see the Knights uh, look at Reinhardt a little harder. And, and as Brian says, maybe, maybe they just don't like him um, for whatever reason. But I, I, w- I would rather have uh, spent less money uh, than, than you're going to have to spend in, in a contract uh, with Eichel for Reinhardt and, and give up less assets um, than you would have to give up to get Eichel, to get Reinhardt. I, I, I like what Reinhardt does. I, I, I think he's a, he's a top-notch center that would help this team out and certainly help him on the power play. The power play would have been the big thing, Bill. I think you know, he could have been, yeah. been, a, been really an impactful player for them on the power play. But again, you know, it's like all the, all the blogs and the rumor mills and you know, Twitter and we're seeing all the proposed trades. I mean, that stuff's all well and good, but behind closed doors, I mean, McCrimmon and McFree could say, we want no part of this guy. He just doesn't fit our profile. Okay, because it seemed like he could have played first-line center for them. Uh, I mean, right? Is he a center or is he not a center? Well, no, he, he's, he's played the majority of his wing, his career at wing. And the, oh, hope, okay. the hope was always that he could drive the second line behind Eichel as a center. And at the tail end of his stay in Buffalo, when Granado took over at the back end of another train wreck season, he played center, and he played extremely well at center. So the answer is, could he play center? The answer is yes, but he's cut his teeth for all these years in the NHL now as a winger. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Bill. Thank you for calling, buddy. All right, we appreciate it. Vegas Hockey Holland. And we go right back to the phones. And our pal Tony's on the line. Hi, Tony. How you doing, man? Hey, boys. How you doing? Great. Stevie, I think you and I – sorry about that. I think uh, last week we talked about you and I about all those 200-foot players they have on the team. Yeah. And it's just – it's amazing to me how – I know this is going to sound terrible – how inept the management is. I know they did a great job of putting the original team together. But – they want a team full of 200-foot players, yet they paid $12 million for two goalies. So if you're paying $12 million for two goalies, it would seem like you could have two or three guys on the team that just score and are, don't play that great a defense. It's just like I, I just don't understand this management. And then they dump the $7 million and we end up with Dadanov and an overpriced backup goalie, not the big splash that everyone was expecting. Now, the one thing I, I just I, one one more time, I just want to jump in on this. And Stevie, I know you're of a different mindset, but I'm telling you, we'll see how this all shakes out. But if you go from the time he left Buffalo. And he went to the Islanders, he went to Chicago, and he's been here. Leonard's numbers are phenomenal. He wins hockey games. And it's like, I, it's just to me, at what point does this guy 
you know, get his head above water, and people let him up. Flurry's a, you know, a, an incredible person. People love the guy. It's hard to be the guy that follows the guy. But I, I would just say this. You'll give Leonard the reins here. I don't know how it will work out, but the numbers he's posted for the last three years, why are there still question marks about this guy? So, you know, we'll see how that... The, the goalie thing, I think, will be a very interesting tale, Tony, when this season starts. But I don't think it matters. I didn't mean Leonard in particular, $7 million or $5 million. You could have dumped either contract. No, I I'm see what you, you're, you're saying philosophically. If you spend $12 million on goalies, then you want to be able to go for it. Hey, I, I come from a, a time... I watch this every night. I watched an ordinary... Sabres team play with Dominic Hasek and they would pinch and they'd give up three on ones a dozen times a night because that was the only way they could generate offense but they didn't care because they knew Hasek would stop it going the other way mm-hmm. right I mean that's kind of what you're getting at right you're saying you want you want them to go for it if you've got "Quote unquote, twelve million of goalies." You know, you're looking for them to tilt the ice and go for it. Yeah, I mean, you got twelve million in goalies. It seems like you could, you know, what your problem's been is scoring in the playoffs. And you, here we go again. You go resign Martinez. Like, who can? You know, there's another five million for a guy that's thirty four, thirty five years old, whatever he is. Like again, Petrangelo last off season. If you have these goalies that are so fantastic, maybe you give up a little bit on defense. If they're so good, they'll stop most of them, right? And let's get a little offense. Well, and you got defense in the pipeline. I, I didn't have a problem with, with the Martinez signing. I did with Petrangelo. Well, there were Tony, Tony, though, let me throw it back at you. Okay. And that's fine. I mean, these guys make a lot of money. And at the end of the day, they're graded on, you know, do they win games? Do they win the cup? How far do they go? If you're saying your unhappiness with management, I guess, let me ask you, you say you want more offense. What about the core group? I mean, so what are you proposing? Like, who do you think needs to go from the core group? It's one thing to, and I get it, they're the guys running the show, but you provide the blanket statement. Who who do you think has to be moved? If you want more offense, who's who's the players that have come up short? Well, now, I mean, they've dug themselves or they've backed themselves in this corner. But, I mean, you could look back, just like Stevie just said, the Petrangelo. They put a lot of money out and they overpaid. A lot of these are bad contracts right now where even if they're bad by a million or a million and a half, you get three or four of those. And there's another wing right there. I mean, it's probably not necessarily one player right now, Brian, even though I think they absolutely lied about Tuck. How do you not know the guy has a shoulder injury that needs surgery until just now? But I don't think it's one player. I think it's been a series of bad moves and overpaying contracts when no one else was going to pay well, is Well, is your beef, he played great at the end, but is your beef... Oh, no, he no, played great. Oh, no, played. but, but is, yeah, he did, but they didn't win. So let me, <laughs> right. let me, let me ask you, though, if, if you had your druthers and they finally got, you know, the $8 million hockey player in the playoffs, 
But do you think this team could have gone further? And no knock on Petranzo, because I think he was their best player in the playoffs. But do you think spending $4 million on two other guys for goal scoring would have been more impactful than what Petrangelo brought? Well, it could have been more. It Wouldn't it four each? Well, whatever. Or, or take that $8 million and yeah, put, put it more absolutely. on the offensive side of things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would take two $4 million wings and not sign Petrangelo. And hopefully our Vesna winner is going to stop enough pucks to win us some games. And maybe we score another goal a game per night. I think it would have worked out great. I completely agree with Tony. Tony should be sitting here and I should be doing something else. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a Tony, have a good one, kid. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. Uh, Vegas Aguilar. I mean, you know, that's the discussion we had all regular season long. Now I'm, I'm curious is the mindset of the fan base and management how different is it the way it ended because Petrangelo showed up Petrangelo was the 8 million dollar man he was he was exceptional yeah he was yeah i so the, the that's fa- the guy don't forget the first year Pacioretty was making 7 he was no 7 million dollar hockey player mm-hmm. may have been hurt whatever mm-hmm. but and but Petrangelo, see, when they use the hockey buzzword, Stevie, your best players have to be your best players. You know what? Petrangelo was their best player. Yeah, and he's made, he's getting paid as their you know he and Stone, so he he stepped up to the plate. I, I I agree. He was the best player in that series against Montreal, and I'm the the fan base. I haven't heard. Of, I don't just being around. I I don't know their feelings. I I guarantee you. Uh, you know, McCrimmon and McPhee were kind of jumping up and down about uh, Petrangelo's performance. And see, we were right you know, uh, based on his performance against Montreal. Yes. Does Petrangelo's. Do you just say, hey, this is it. We're going, we're going to battle with this. this. We like this. We like this. All right, it's Leonard's team. We got a guy now. And. We're good with this, and we'll see what we do at the deadline. And again, the luxury they have being in the Pacific Division. Let's not cut to the chase. Yeah. I think that but, is the thought over there. But do do they sit there and say, okay, Petrangelo's what we thought he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Does that give them wiggle room elsewhere on the defense? To move to move a defenseman? To move, some, move yeah. a defenseman. All right. I, I, I'm just asking. No, I no, know. no. I, I, well, I, I mean, because you're, you're paying, you know, White Cloud and Hague nothing, right? And they're entrenched. I love Theodore. You know, I love Theodore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not suggesting do it, but I'm just saying, who's untouchable? And if you, you want a sniper, I'm just, I just throw that out there. I don't. I'm not saying they would do it, and I, I hope they don't. I think the world of, of Theodore. I'd like to see Theodore, see him. Be more aggressive where he was the guy in the bubble. I want to see that from him again. But around the league, people will be salivating to get their meat hooks on a guy like that. And th- then if you want a sniper. I think even be- before Petrangelo signed, Brian, the, what you have in the, in the minor leagues, what you have in your organization is defensemen. The, the, the forward I can't pool, wait to see what Korzak does. Right, right. So the, the, the forward pool is not what the defense pool is. So, yeah, if you're going to make deals, you move defensemen because you've got guys that you can plug in. Right, in, in your Coglin's not far away. Right. You don't, you don't really have that in the forwards. 
in the, in the organization. So, yes, I, I, I could see defensemen getting moved if you're making a deal. I, I, if, if I am a GM over there, I would rather move a defenseman. Well, you have that I've option. Got... I don't think they'll, they would do it. It would have to be substantial. What, what if the whoever it is you're dealing with really wants uh, uh, Theodore or, uh, or, or they'll take McNabb in the deal, whatever it is, wouldn't you kind of push for that? Because, again, you can call up a, a, a Korzak or a, you know, whoever else you have down there. Again, they, they use um, Brandstrom to, 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 uh, to get Stone, right? Yeah. Wasn't that part of Stone? So, so again, you, you're pulling from your strength in, in, in defensemen to make that deal. So that you, you know, if it's a forward going out, now you got to figure out how am I going to, re- you know, now I brought Stone in, but I've lost, I've lost another forward. How am I going to, how am I going to replace him? It's fun, man. It'll be here before you know it. Honestly, I got camp will be here before you know it. We get the nice diversion of a little football, and then all of a sudden hockey's back. No, I'm good with it. I, l- I like the short off season. All right, we'll do it again tomorrow. Good stuff. Thanks to Reed Wilkins. Always a treat. Mm-hmm. Our good friend from CHED up in Edmonton. Thanks to the callers. And we'll play it back again tomorrow. Follow him on Twitter at Stevie Slapshot. Follow me at Brian Blessing. Don't forget our friends at Uzu CBD Plus. Y-U-Z-U CBD Plus.com. Manage joint pain the all-natural way. John Smith subs, buddy. It's a Tuesday. Buy one sub, get one free. 9701 West Flamingo. And fantasy football players, you want to do your draft. Over to Oasis, 4955 South Decatur. Good stuff. TC Ballpark. The boys are coming up next. Have a good day, uh, Mr. Slapshot. Thank you. You too.